You know, we finished up last year. I'm recovering from a head cold, so but I mean, I don't sound my usual self. That's why. But uh, we finished up last year uh, looking at the seven deadly sins, and I thought, you know, after talking so much about what we shouldn't do, maybe we'll talk a little bit about what we should do. <laughs> yeah. um, but and this is also part of a, a bigger picture that uh, throughout this year we're going to be emphasizing more uh, what we call our mission statement as a church. It's been around, but we haven't really emphasized uh, a particular mission statement. <coughs> But uh, the, the, the phrase, living the great commandment, fulfilling the great commission, is really core to everything we do. <clears throat> and, uh, and so we're going to be talking about uh, the great commandment and the great commission and how that is our, 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 our mission statement. It undergirds what we do. It really encapsulates our purpose and our values in one little single phrase. And it's nice to know this. I hope that... Uh, Certainly, uh, maybe after a few weeks or by the end of this year, if someone asks, well, what's the mission of New Day Community Church? You can say, well, it's to live the great commandment and to fulfill the great commission. Um, you know, that's what we're called to. And, and you'll understand what that means, uh, hopefully, understand it better <laughs> after the series and we teach about it. It helps us remember what our priorities are. And uh, really, we want to incorporate uh, these into everything that we do. Um, uh, so children's ministry, worship, uh, teaching, all the different aspects, life groups, all the different aspects of what church is, really need to be expressions of living the Great Commandment and fulfilling the Great Commission. <clears throat> and uh, that phrase, or these two uh, ideas, these two things, um, also uh, encapsulates or includes, they... they, they uh, 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 I had a good word for the integrate seamlessly <laughs> with our core values, which is the FIRE acronym. If you've been around for a while, you've heard us teach on the FIRE uh, acronym, which is the Father Heart Message. These are our core values as a church, a Father Heart Message, intimacy uh, with God through hearing His voice and intimacy with one another through relationship, the restoration of our our body, soul, and spirit through healing, <clears throat> the power that God has, and the message of the cross for, for healing of our whole being, and uh, equipping and evangelism through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, these values are consistent, or they, they integrate with this mission statement of living the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. We'll be talking more about how it all integrates um, over the next couple of weeks as we dig into um, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And, and uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, this is the Great Commandment, yet it's not often preached. Um, and... Um, you know, I like those little videos, and there's a website that's got, I don't know, 100,000 videos that you can use for church, and they only had one on the Great Commandment. <laughs> yeah, they had dozens and hundreds on the Ten Commandments. But on the Great Commandment, they only had one. I was like, wow, I thought there'd be a bigger choice. But I think sometimes something like the Great Commandment, we, we, we think we understand it, and like, oh yeah, everybody understands that, so we move on. But really, there's just a depth, there's a, 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 um, a rich treasure of uh, teaching and understanding that we can uh, dig out of uh, Jesus' words. If you turn with me, or look up at the screen, Matthew 22, verse 36. 
don't know if I'll sit down. I don't like sitting down. <laughs> I don't know why the chair's up here. Every now and then I sit down. <laughs> hey, we forgot to pray. Father, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. <laughs> Lord, just uh, we do submit this time and this uh, message. Uh, open our hearts and minds to receive revelation from your word. Uh, God, we want to be transformed as a church and as individuals. And we thank you uh, that you're present. Uh, we acknowledge that you're here. And so, uh, Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us hears your voice, not just my voice, uh, but inter- interacts not just with one another, but also with you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Matthew 22, verse 36, <clears throat> Jesus said, well, I um, uh, a man asked him, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The same uh, um, Words are recorded, similar words, interaction is uh, recorded in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12, verse 39, also in the New King James, Mark 12, 39 through 31. It says, Jesus answered him, <clears throat> says, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is you shall love your neighbors as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So there's two words that describe this commandment. Before we get into the commandment, we're going to talk about what words Jesus chose to describe this commandment. And it's first and greatest. Alright? The first is a Greek word, it is protos. It means foremost, proto, like a, a protoplasm, you know, the beginning or a prototype. <clears throat> this is what comes first. It's foremost. Uh, it's the beginning. It's first in rank. It's the, the best. It's what comes before. Uh, foremost in time or in place, in order or importance. All right? So this commandment is first. It's, it's the most important. Okay, first in rank, in influence, in honor. It's the chief commandment, it's a principle, it's the best. It can be translated, it's the best commandment, or the beginning commandment. And so the idea behind this is that this commandment is before or the prototype of all other commandments. Alright? If you don't understand this commandment, because this one comes first, you won't really get all the other commandments. <clears throat> I was thinking, <clears throat> I don't know when I was thinking, last night or this morning, <clears throat> that, you know, if you did all the commandments, if you, did, if you didn't steal, if you didn't lie, uh, lie, you didn't murder, you didn't commit adultery, you didn't, all the other commandments, but you didn't do this commandment, it wouldn't matter. Alright? Because you missed the first one. Uh, you cannot steal, but still lack love. Alright? And, and, and Jesus says, this one must come first. Or this is, the, this is the most important in rank. And the other word that describes it is great. 
And that's the Greek word mega, which we're all familiar with. Uh, <clears throat> like in mega mall, or mega church, or what's another, mega meal? The mega millions. <laughs> mega million lotto, yeah, there you go. And this also means, this means great, large, spacious, okay, long or old, uh, abundant, used of intensity and degrees. It's predicated of rank, you know, it's the, it's the highest rank, uh, eminent of, 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 for ability, virtue, authority, and power. Uh, it's used for things esteemed highly for the importance of great moment, of great weight of importance. The thing highly esteemed for its excellence, uh, splendid, <clears throat> prepared on a grand uh, scale or stately. <clears throat> and so Jesus is saying, not only is this the first commandment, does it come before everything, but it's the biggest commandment. It's the, it's the, the, the most spacious, the most all-encompassing. This is it, man. This is the big commandment. This is not one of the little commandments. This is the major commandment. It's enormous. Um, and we need to understand, we need to embrace uh, Jesus's, uh, how Jesus describes this commandment. That in our life, what does this mean? It means in our life, this needs to be the biggest command. This, this needs to come first. In order of rank, I have to get this one in order first, in order for the other commandments to make sense or to really fulfill what they are called to fulfill. Uh, does that make sense? In other words, in order for the other commandments to really attain uh, their purpose, we have to have this commandment in place. All right, and without this commandment being first in rank and greatest, overriding uh, the value or the importance or the implementation of all the other things, we're not going to be able to fulfill the other commandments. All of the commandments are important. You know, everything that God tells us is important. <laughs> Can we agree on that? Yeah. Right. But Jesus is saying this has to come first, and it has to be the biggest. It has to overlap. Okay, it has to like all the other commands, all the other principles, and God's words, all of God's interactions with you <clears throat> through His Word and through His Holy Spirit need to be kind of like submerged in uh, the this command, or this idea, this call. It's so important. Jesus was very clear in this, and He says on this. Uh, <clears throat> um, on, this, on these two commandments uh, uh, hang the law and the prophets. Every other principle hang on these two commands. And the two commands, to sum up briefly, is to love God and love others. You know, what does that mean? Every other command hangs on... on it's, it's, it's just, every other command is supported by uh, this command. These two commands, this command of love, uh, and I think it's it's uh, it's great. It's a encapsulation of the highest ideals uh, of life and of Christianity, of our faith. That the most important thing is love. I think I mentioned not uh, too many weeks ago. I was in a discussion with a <coughs> um, a follower of of Islam and. And he actually argued with me on this point. 
that you know Islam means submission. I'm not here to teach on Islam, and I, I can do that if you want some other time. But <laughs> you know, he was like, well, "Do you know what Islam means?" And I was like, "Yeah, I know what Islam means. It means submission." He's like, "That's right, because everyone will ultimately submit." I said, "You know," and I said, "Well, I serve a God whose you know ultimate uh, motivation is love, you know, uh, and, <clears throat> and submission without love is slavery, right?" But submission in love is trust. And what a, what a world of difference there is between those two worldviews. Uh, Jesus says the most important thing is love. And if you have love, then everything else will fall into line. If you don't have love, then nothing else matters. So all of, these, uh, all of the law and the prophet hang on these. One commentator, <clears throat> I don't know if it's just a play on words, or if Jesus actually intended this, but the more I think about it, it's very possible that Jesus did intend this, that he chose that word on these two commandments, hang all of the law and the prophets. Um, the same word is used of one hanging on a cross. And whether we just see that, or whether Jesus intended that his hanging on the cross would be the ultimate portrayal of this commandment, wouldn't it? You know? And so the commandment uh, of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, and loving others uh, as yourself, Jesus portrayed it. God fulfilled it uh, by uh, taking on human form when Jesus came as a man and was uh, uh, unrighteously uh, uh, arrested and wrongfully prosecuted and uh, uh, nailed to the cross uh, to die in our on our behalf, he was demonstrating this unmeasurable love uh, that God has, and it's and it's through that expression of love that all of the law and the prophets are fulfilled. All right, and so it's kind of a, a nice little connection, connecting point that on the cross. Uh, where Jesus hung um, is the the perfect expression of this commandment, <clears throat> you know, and also that that God doesn't command us to do something that He hasn't first done, you know. He Jesus demonstrated His utter love by dying on the cross, <clears throat> and that's what He calls us to. Um, so this commandment is what everything proceeds from, and it's what all other commands point to, or, or the outworking of all other commands. And that's another interest, uh, important part to understand, is that when the Bible or God tells us don't steal, ultimately He's not really concerned about a person's economic, you know, the economic condition. I mean, it's important. <laughs> but it's a violation of love. Don't steal because it's a violation of love. All right, don't lie. We don't lie because truth is important and a society that doesn't have truth falls apart. But ultimately, we don't lie because lie is a violation of love. Okay? And you take every one of the commandments and you take it back, why is this right or wrong? It's because it's based on whether or not it's, it's, it goes, it's in accordance with love. Does it line up with loving God uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving others as yourself? In 1 Timothy uh, 1.5, Paul says the same thing. It says, the purpose of the commandment is love. 
from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. And so all of the law, all of the commands of God, <clears throat> the purpose of them is love. All right? Love's the beginning, but it's, it, everything needs to flow out of love. But when you obey and live in the righteousness of God, that is the expression of love to one another and to God. It's all wrapped up. Does that make any sense? All right. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Well, Jesus didn't make this up. <laughs> well, he did, but that's another story. <laughs> he was the one who originated it all. But <clears throat> Jesus was quoting... Uh, something Moses had been inspired to write, uh, and was, um, well, let me just read it, and then I'll talk about it. <coughs> De- Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall and they shall be frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. <clears throat> and the, the, the Orthodox traditional Jewish people actually did this. They would, they would have a little thing that would have these words written between their eyes and on their hands, and they'd write them on their gates. And, and this is, there's a name for this. It's the, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, <clears throat> but only Graham will know. <laughs> it's the Shema. Shema Israel, which is the, it's, that's what, if you talk to a Jewish person, they know all Jewish persons raised in even a minimalistic religious home will know what the Shema is, which, because this is their, their primary statement. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Let me just read a few definitions of this, uh, of how in the Jewish culture this phrase is used. It says the Shema are the first two words of the section of the Torah which is the first five books of the, uh, what we call the Bible. That is the centerpiece of the morning and evening Jewish prayer service. The first verse encapsulates the monotheistic essence of Judaism. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Observant Jews considered the Shema to be the most important part of the prayer service in Judaism. And it's twice daily Resuscitation. Uh, rest, resuscitation. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> they recite it twice daily. It's a traditional for Jews to say the Shema as their last words and parents to teach their children before they go to sleep at night. And from another commentator, Christian commentator, says in uh, concerning this verse, says, these words form the beginning of what is termed the Shema, um, which is actually just the word here in, in, in Hebrew. It says, in Jewish services, and belong to the daily and morning uh, prayer time. Uh, they may be called the creed of the Jews. The weighty text contains far more than a mere declaration of the unity of God against polytheism or the sole authority of the revelation that He has made to Israel against other pretended manifestations of His will and attributes. It asserts that the Lord God of Israel is the absolute God and none other. 
He and He alone is Jehovah or Yahweh, the absolute, uncaused, the one who had made Himself known to Israel. <clears throat> okay? And so the Lord our God, the Lord is one, is really like the, it's the mission statement of the Jewish nation, of the Jewish religion. Alright? That is core. And Jesus is saying, you know, that's the, that's the foundation of the greatest commandment. The Lord our God, He is Lord, He is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. <clears throat> and He's building on that. And so what was foundational to the uh, old covenant uh, uh, relationship and uh, lifestyle for thousands of years, Jesus reinforces. Alright? He says this is the same law. There hasn't been a change, alright? And in fact, <clears throat> this is the greatest commandment of all, and it continues to be the greatest commandment in the Christian tradition as well as in the Jewish tradition. And, uh, and there's some, some important truths that we need to understand that Jesus speaks, and, and He's referring back to something that was written uh, thousands of years earlier by Moses. This is a command that has existed now for thousands and thousands of years. And I think it's quite <clears throat> astounding. And, and actually, I think Christianity and uh, evangelical Christianity, uh, um, especially our, our tradition of Christianity, you know, we've lost tradition. We've kind of thrown all tradition out. And the idea of repeating a prayer, I mean, faithful Jews say this prayer every morning and every night. It's the first word spoken to a baby when it's born. It's the last words out of a person's mouth before they die. Every morning is the first thing of the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know, they say this every day. They're reinforcing Think of how powerful that is, reinforcing. And, uh, you know, tradition or repetition uh, is a very powerful tool in reinforcing truths. And so, uh, you know, it's good to get into habits of praying. Uh, and, and maybe praying this prayer, saying, reading this scripture, praying the Lord's Prayer. These things reinforce um, uh, truths in us and get it down deep. Alright? <clears throat> and in this statement, the Lord our God is, uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We'll talk about this a little bit. Every, every Christian should know what this means. Um, first, the identity of God is declared and then the response to His identity is clearly revealed or called forth. <clears throat> And the identity of God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, whenever you see in the Old Testament, in most translations uh, of Scripture, if the word Lord is in all caps, that's actually a Hebrew, translating a Hebrew word, Yahweh. How many knew this? Okay. Uh, and there's other words for God uh, that are also translated Lord, like Adonai. Uh, which just means God, or Elohim, which means God's, uh, uh, in our more general terms. But Yahweh is a specific name for God that, that He revealed. And uh, in fact, the Jews considered it uh, later on in their history so holy that they stopped pronouncing it. And so we don't really know the proper way to pronounce it because it hasn't been spoken in Hebrew for a couple thousand years. <laughs> kind of guess. Yahweh is the best guess. Um, <clears throat> Jehovah uh, is a common alternative. Um, but it's the proper name. It's like, you know, 
Matt's name is Matt Matthew, right? You know, you may have a title. What would be your title? One title would be father or husband, right? So we have father, God, we have the son, right? And we have the Holy Spirit. Well, what's the name of the son? Does the son have a personal name? Jesus, Jesus right. All right. <clears throat> well, we don't know. This is maybe you haven't thought of this through, but Yahweh is the name of the Trinity. The name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. So, if the Father has a personal name and the Holy Spirit has a personal name, it's yet to be revealed. Unless someone more scholarly than I can correct me on that. <laughs> but it's by the name of Jesus that everyone needs to be saved. It's Jesus' personal, He is the individual that God manifests Himself in human form. And so we have His name, and we know the Holy Spirit, we know the Father, but the name of the Trinity, the name of the Almighty God, the God that interacted with Israel throughout all time, is Yahweh. <clears throat> and it means the self-existent one, uh, you know, there's a, a meaning, most names have meaning, um, uh, and, uh, and so when you see the Lord in this verse, in all caps, Yahweh, our Elohim, that's the second uh, word in this phrase, and that is another, a term for God that's actually plural, alright, so Yahweh is our God's, and as far as I can tell, no one disputes whether or not that is actually how... The only way you can translate that word is plural, gods. Yahweh is our gods. But he's one. Alright? And it is used elsewhere for other, the gods of the nations. Alright? In plural form. But it's also used of Yahweh, the Lord God, who is one. Alright? One of the big... Uh, distinctions of Judaism uh, was that it was, I think, the very first monotheistic religion. Prior to Judaism, all peoples believed in a multitude of God. Pantheism or polytheism. All right, where there are multitudes. Every city or every region had their own God. Here's this guy named Abraham started talking about the one God. <clears throat> that there's one God. Because God revealed Himself that He's the one God over all the earth. And from that time, you know, there's been this message that has uh, been revealed throughout Scripture of the one God, Yahweh. Um, but even in this primary statement, the Lord, Yahweh, our Elohim, plural, is one. One meaning one. <laughs> I don't have to talk about that too much. Eh? It also means unique. All right. In, there's only one um, uh, uh, in this is actually the basis for the New Testament understanding of the Trinity alright and this is where of course Judaism and Christianity uh, differ in opinion <laughs> and even some Christians or some cults uh, uh, derivations of Christianity gets confused in this because there's such an emphasis that there's only one God Right? In all of Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, there's only one God. It's not like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three separate gods. They're one God. But there's three persons. All right? And so within this one, there are three individuals that are distinct 
yet inseparable. Complete uh, an utter unity, alright, <clears throat> to the point that they're one, but they're separate in identity. The Father, the Son, this, this, this is all going somewhere. This is very important to understanding the commandment. <clears throat> And so, the idea of, in the New Testament, as Christians struggled with the idea of, in the early uh, uh, church, that, you know, they were all, beginning, all Jewish people that came to faith in Jesus, they're going, but God is one, and Jesus is God, but Jesus is not the Father, because He would talk to the Father, and, and what about this Holy Spirit? And it took a while to figure out that this idea of the Trinity... <coughs> That God, there's one God, but He exists in uh, three persons. And this corresponds beautifully um, with this statement that Yahweh is one, but there's the Elohim, the plurality in one. Now, there is a reason I'm getting to this. Uh, Not only does this give us an understanding of how the Trinity and understanding that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God, but there's one God. It also under, uh, uh, it also reveals why love is so central to the message of God. All right, love requires relationship, right? All right. Would or could the supreme being, the Almighty God, require of His creation something He Himself? Did not possess. And could God possess love prior to creation if he was singular and not plural? No. If love requires relationship. So the idea, this is radical. This is a mystery. This is, this is what I think. Uh, and many other people, uh, uh, you know, I didn't come up with this. <clears throat> this is the distinguishing characteristic of Christianity that sets it apart from all other religions. Is that it's the love existing within the Trinity. Eternal, self-existing, uh, you know, love relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, that they were eternally in a love relationship. And out of that love relationship, as we see in Genesis, let us create man in our image. Also plural. Alright? Now, some people always say, well, that, that's, that was written that way because kings uh, referred to themselves in the plural. I'm saying, no, kings refer to themselves in the plural because they were copying what they read in Scripture. <laughs> Which came first? It's tingling. <laughs> Really, that's that's a simple one. <laughs> um, and so, uh, it is the fact that God is love, we and love exists because there's the triune existence of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that this love between the Father and the love between the Son and the Father and the Father and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus, this love is so immense and so deep. Okay. And it's, it's a love that we cannot even comprehend of. It's, a, it's out of that love all of creation spilled. Okay? All of creation was just, was just one expression 
of, hey, let's work together. And so the Spirit brooded over, you know, and, and, and God <coughs> said, and, and of course the voice, the Word of the Lord is Jesus Himself. And so they all were active uh, in creation and this expression of, of God's wanting to share His love uh, with a multitude of other individuals that can love in return. All right, and so it sets up the whole purpose for our existence is understanding that God is one, and that within that oneness is a triune being, and that the highest priority, the highest ideal, and the greatest command is to love in return, because that's God's greatest priority. That's His motivating, compelling. You know, reason is love. It's always love. Alright? And so He calls us to the standard that He lives by. He calls us into that same lifestyle, if you would. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. <clears throat> John 10, verse 30. And 31 says, I and my Father, Jesus said this, I and my Father are one. He was talking to the Jews. And they were debating some theological question. And they didn't like what he was saying. <laughs> and he said, I and my Father are one. And this is why. What's the next thing? It says, they, the Jews took up stones again. Again. <laughs> to stone him. You know why they crucified Jesus? Is because he claimed to be equal with God. Alright? He was telling the truth. <clears throat> because he was God. Alright? That's why they, they wanted to stone him. That's why they ultimately crucified him. But it was true. Alright? Uh, they considered blasphemy, but it was actually truth because God was in three persons. And so Jesus himself says, I and my Father are one. John, 1 John 4, 16. The, the idea I want to communicate and, and kind of close up with is that the command to love God flows out of the nature of God Himself. Alright? This is not God requiring something from us that He isn't first living and fulfilling and demonstrating. 1 John 4.16 says, We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Or this, this uh, Jesus' prayer in John 17 really kind of gets to the, to the depth of this. And this is Jesus praying to the Father. <clears throat> um, says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. You know who that is? You and I. Alright, so Jesus was praying for you and I. That they, us, all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. So we're brought in to the fellowship of the Trinity in one sense. We're not equal with God, but we're brought in through adoption. We're joint heirs. We're brought into that love relationship. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may, what is the glory? That they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me. That they may be made perfect 
in one. Ah! We're brought to completion when we're in unity, in love, with God and with one another. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me and that you have have loved them as you have loved me. So the same love that the Father has toward Jesus through Christ or when we're in Christ, we can experience that same love. The same intensity of love that God has had for an eternity. And so, you know, this is not just, it's easier when you start talking about this kind of thing to to think of it in just a theological, uh, uh, you know, trying to get your mind wrapped around something that's difficult and disconnect it from, from real life. But it's the essence of the nature of God and it's the source, understanding this, that, that, that God is love and that love is expressed in, in the relationship between the Trinity becomes a source of our being able to fulfill the great commandment. Alright? We're called to live this love. Where are we going to get that from? It must come from being in relationship with God. Alright? Being one in Him. Tapping into, if you will, that love, uh, the well of love that exists within. It's God's nature of love reproduced in us toward Him and toward one another that is the fulfillment of this ancient yet first and great commandment. Boom. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be delving into a little more deeply what um, that commandment means. So now Bill's going to have some announcements. Thank you. All right. So I do have some announcements for you today. Um, the first is an upcoming class on a Saturday, January 29th, from 10 to noon. You have the opportunity to take part in the Blessing Your Spirit class with Carolyn Lovelace. Um, there is a book called Blessing Your Spirit that a few of us have read. And it's really amazing. I want to encourage you to check this out on the 29th. Um, it is maybe different or new and really, really good um, way to connect with God um, in your spirit, at a spirit level. A lot of, like this morning's message was very intellectual. I had to go through your mind. And this way you can get your spirit blessed. There, you know, your body, soul, and spirit. So, yes. All parts of us are to be one with God and in love with God, right? So, check this out. It's really good. That's my um, plug for it. Um, also, the lost and found gets really full sometimes at this church, occasionally. I never lose stuff. We only have about a half a dozen items on the table. But you might have one or two things over on the table. It is in the back corner here of the family room. So on your way to get donuts and coffee on the other side of the partition, check it out, grab your stuff. If you don't, it will soon be donated for a good cause um, after next Sunday. Also, you can check out the bulletin. They look like this. You can find them on the table at the connection counter or behind the banner or in a greeter's hands at the front door. There's lots of good stuff in there. I do want to draw to your attention the sign-up spot on the tear-off connection card portion. Um, You can sign up for the women's retreat, which is upcoming, or baby dedication, which is next week.